Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Looking ahead, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, I do feel we, we made some strides. Uh, there's a foundation in place, but uh, there's a lot of work to be done, and we're not satisfied. And, uh, you know, we're going to take a critical look of every aspect of our football operation, and it's just not the coaching. You know, everyone wants to blame the coaching. Uh, we've had five head coaches here in nine years, so something something's not working. And uh, we all need to be better across the board, and that starts with me personally. It starts with our staff, our entire building, our players. And uh, we need to take a look in the mirror and take responsibility for where we're at and be urgent to get us out of this and get a winning, a sustain a winning culture uh, year in and year out. And that process starts, uh, you know, with this head coaching search. And we're excited to learn more about some of these great candidates. And it's going to be a comprehensive, a collaborative process to find the best head coach uh, for the Broncos. All right, welcome into the show. It's a wrap-up episode for us, John, wrapping up the season for the Broncos. They're not in the playoffs. We knew that was coming, and it's funny how things go from game breakdowns, player reports, injury stuff, all that, to head coaching searches and all that stuff, right? That's all over Broncos wire. It's, it's a quick transition, uh, but that's where we're at with the Broncos now. Yeah, that that's exactly right, especially from a blogging perspective. Like, as soon as the final whistle you know you get the gamer for their final game of the season but then since then like you said it's been all Fangio fire this guy's a candidate this guy's a candidate it really has been a quick shift and we're right into it but it's nice because it, it keeps fans it gives us something to think about something to talk about so at least we're not you know out of the playoffs keeping our whole coaching staff and just twiddling our thumbs for the next few weeks like it is kind of nice to have some Broncos stuff to to discuss Let's talk about Vic a little bit, John, and this decision. I think, personally, I think it's proof that George Payton gets it. I just think he gets it. And you know how I feel about Vic Fangio. I've been calling for this. And it was almost like George Payton, after that Saturday game, Payton was like, Vic, love you, wish you the best, but we're not waiting until Monday. Just come see me in my office on Sunday morning. We're getting this over with, John. We're getting it over with. I love that. I loved it. Let's let's move on. Let's go. We got we to gotta do that thing. And. I won't miss Vic as the head coach, uh, and I know he's a great defensive coordinator, but I won't miss him as the head coach because I just think he was completely out of touch when it comes to the offense and the special teams and situational awareness, late in games, fourth quarter, John, stuff like that. That's why I won't miss Vic as a head coach, but what's your take on the Broncos moving on from Fangio? Not on Monday, on Sunday. It's, get out of here, Vic. We're done with you. We're moving on. Yeah, I think it just if they're making that decision, why have him stick around for one more day? In a way, it may have somewhat been nice to him to not leave him in limbo for a day. But yeah. as for the decision itself, I'm right with you that I think like it's a bummer to me that they're losing how good of he is as a defensive coordinator. But as a head coach, I agree with you. Like the game management just wasn't good enough. The clock management wasn't good enough. The challengers weren't good enough, and like the offense. The offense doesn't have to be his problem if he gets a real solid offensive coordinator in there and let him run the show. But like Pat Shermer clearly wanted that. And for two years, Fangio just stuck by Shermer and wouldn't make any changes. And the same with Tom McMahon on special teams. So I, I think he just 
he he didn't it could have worked i think if he surrounded himself with the perfect people and he did not surround himself with the perfect people and then he just he was too stubborn to move on for them and i think that really was his downfall like to me the biggest bummer will be if he ends up like the chiefs defensive coordinator or like the raiders defense coordinator i'll hate that if he goes <laughs> yeah. like and the NFC and is a defensive coordinator, you know, wish him all the best. I just hope he doesn't land the AFC West because I think he's really good on the defensive side of the ball. But kind of reading between the lines of what George Payton said in his end of season press conference, it kind of seemed like he was implying exactly like we've been saying that Fangio's defense was great, but they need somebody that's going to be overseeing everything, running everything, and just being more of a head coach overall, opposed to a defensive coordinator who happens to be the head coach. And he didn't directly say that, but that's kind of the impression I got. And I think that's fair. Like Fangio, I liked him. I know you didn't love like him huffing and puffing in his press conferences, you know, after the defense did well, but I, I didn't really mind that. Like as a person, I liked Fangio. And I, as I keep saying, like, I liked his defense. It's just the rest of his head coach, he just wasn't good enough at it. So it's it's not surprising to see him go. I wish him well. Just hopefully that's outside the AFC West. Now, I don't mind Vic huffing and puffing about a good game against the Cowboys, John. Just don't get blasted by the Eagles the next week. That's all, Vic. <laughs> if you're going to say it, you got to back it up. And, yeah, you know, George Payton, if he was in the room with me, I'd, I'd give him a hug and a kiss because uh, that's what it is. I, I hate that it's all about his defense all the time. And it's just like, I don't even know if he trusts the other. I don't think he doesn't really trust his offense, right? Case in point being this game against Kansas City. Fourth and nine for the 13, John. You're down 28-21. There's 437 left against Patrick Mahomes. you got Kansas City on the ropes. I mean, obviously they... They shouldn't have been in this situation anyway, right? They had Kansas City, that that fumble by Melvin Gordon. We'll get into that. But you're down 28-21 with 437 left against Mahomes, and you kicked the field goal? Come on, Vic. You know what? Come on. You're not in the playoffs. You have a chance to beat the Chiefs if you score. You're on the 13-yard line, and you're honestly and, – and this is – and Vic really believes this, I believe. He's honestly thinking – Kick the field goal. My defense will get a stop, and we'll go down, and we'll get the touchdown, the two-minute drill. It's like, dude, that is such the wrong, that's the wrong way to approach it. Anyway, never mind when your season's already over, and just let it rip. Go beat the Chiefs. You know what I mean? So that's Vic's problem to me, is that he just keeps catering to himself in his defense. He trusts himself to make the calls, John, and he doesn't trust his offense. He doesn't trust anyone else. It's just about him. And, and I think that was his biggest downfall, right? And I thought that that decision in the Kansas City game, I mean, all Broncos fans, right, had to be just – head buried in their hands like what are we doing kicking the field goal with 437 left against Patrick Mahomes yeah I think you're exactly right I think he leaned on his defense so much because that's who he is he's defense so that's just the way his mind works like you're saying but like from our perspective we're like if you kick a field goal you got to stop him and then like you said you still got to score a touchdown so if you have to get a touchdown anyway why not try to get a touchdown right here? Because worst case scenario, if you don't get it, at least the Chiefs are pinned back deep. So, yeah, I, I think pretty much all Broncos fans would have preferred to go there. And even Drew Locke after the game, he tried to be diplomatic about it. But he also heavily implied that he would have wanted to go for it in that situation. So I think it it's a fair point by you that he was so defensive minded. It was kind of to his detriment. Yeah, poor Drew Locke in the postgame. What do you want me to say? Vic Fangio hates me. He's not going to let me go for it on fourth down. What do, you, what do you want me to say? He wants a field goal. So, uh, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, so I'm I'm happy with the decision, John. I think it's good that the Broncos are moving on. It's time to change this thing. 
with all that being said and all, and all the things I've said about Vic Fangio, the hard time I've given him on our show, um, his statement after getting fired was classy as hell. Oh, yeah. And he at least creates the illusion that he's leaving on good terms. Maybe he could be back someday. And I know it's not going to be this year, John, although I would love for him to stay as a defensive coordinator. We've <laughs> joked about that. I would love it. I don't think it's going to happen, obviously. But I think he's if you're in the market for a defensive coordinator, he's the number one guy. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. And I did. I did get a kick out of uh, I, I saw his statement on Broncos Wire. You posted that article. And uh, I just want to say that. Classy as hell. Good stuff from Fangio. Uh, I think he parted on on good terms because he can he can kind of be a dink in his post game sometimes. He kind of gets that thing where he gets, you know, he kind of I don't know. He, he can get kind of testy with reporters and stuff, and he kind of talks crap and all that. But I thought his final words leaving the organization was a class act. It was classy, and I think that's just the kind of person he is. He's a he's an understanding person, and I think he really got it. Like I think he realized. As a head coach, he just wants to cut in it. Like he might, he might argue that he deserved more time, but I don't think he would have argued that he did a good enough job. I think he just knew that it wasn't, and I think he's probably comfortable because he's made he made plenty of money three years as a Broncos head coach, and he has such a great resume as a defense coordinator. He's going to have no problem become a coordinator again. Like yeah, he obviously would prefer to be a head coach than a DC, but it's still running a defense in the NFL. That's still a high profile job, and he's still going to get good money to do that and it's what he's best at clearly so i think he knows you know just this head coach thing didn't work out i'm very quickly going to get a defensive coordinator job so i think he knows like it's not the end of the world for him and i think with peyton he probably was kind about it like told told him like you know we know what your strengths are but as a head coach, it just wants it good enough and so yeah like you said i think it did probably end on good terms and fangio i think it's going to be perfectly fine yeah, I think Peyton said, hey, hey, Vic, you want to be my defensive coordinator? Vic's like, no. He's like, all right, we love you. Get out of here. You're gone. Um, okay, so Fangio's out. That means the Broncos are looking for a new head coach. And do you think this is the most, this automatically becomes the most desirable location for head coach candidates, John? I mean, we're picking number nine overall again. You know, some things are better than going to the playoffs. And this is it, right? You're picking number nine again. You have all this talent, this great draft class from last year. You're quarterback away. This becomes a really desirable spot for the next head coach, right? I mean, I think I would do Broncos number one, maybe Bears number two, but the Bears don't even pick in the first round because they traded it for Justin Fields. So I think the the Broncos, is there a better job out there? I've seen people make a case for the Raiders, I think in part because of the market and because they have a quarterback, something the Broncos don't have. And the Raiders do have some nice pieces, but I, I agree with you. I think one of the big hangups for the Broncos, I think, is the ownership situation. Some people may be a little weary of taking a job and not even knowing who the owner is because maybe the owner comes in like just before the season starts. And then, yeah, so sure. but I don't know. I don't know how much that will be a factor in it. But I, I agree that from – a salary cap perspective, they're going to have like at least 50 million in salary cap space, ninth overall pick in the draft, 11 picks overall. And George Payton, to me, has done everything right so far. Besides, he hasn't gotten a quarterback. But if they're able to get one this offseason, like if they get a quarterback, like we, we've been saying forever, if you put a quarterback in this team, they can go places. So I'm with you that if it's not number one, to me, it's got to be one of the top jobs available. But I say that admitting that I'm extremely biased. So, of course, I think the Broncos are an attractive spot for a head coach. Yeah, you got your Broncos goggles on, as you like to say, right? Your, your Broncos Yeah, my goggles. orange and blue sunglasses. There it is. Yeah, yeah, your goggles. Uh, okay, so I do want to get your take on who, who your preferred – 
next head coach for the Broncos is John. We're going to do that here coming up. But really quick, just I want to check on you. See how you're feeling now about Melvin Gordon. You've been defending Melvin Gordon. You think he has a, he deserves better treatment from the fans. Uh, should he be back? I mean, I think his new nickname in Denver could be Melvin Fumble Six Gordon after this fumble. <laughs> so are you still are you still on the Melvin Gordon bandwagon, or are you off for good now after this big fumble against Kansas City? That you know, really that that play cost it in the game, unfortunately. Yeah, I I'm not off of him just from one play that was very unfortunate. But like I said before. I would only want to bring him back at a very reduced rate, like basically cut his salary in half. I would welcome him back. But with that said, if they want to draft a running back in like the third or fourth round, somebody they like, like there's been plenty of running backs recently in the third and fourth round that have been very productive in the NFL. No doubt. And for the ne- you're going to control them for the next four years at a very team-friendly contract. So I think it just depends on what they're thinking with the draft, and it depends on how much of a pay cut Gordon is going to want to take. Maybe some team that wants him to be more of a feature guy would be willing to pay him more. So I, to me, it just comes down to money. Like the fumble, it was frustrating, and like it clearly has been a problem through him throughout his career. But in that situation, he was kind of blown up just as he's getting the ball. So he, I think you give him a little bit of slack for that, but still, he, I think he still could have corralled it better but it wasn't like just any old fumble. Like he was getting hit as soon as he got the ball. So I think it's somewhat, it's somewhat of a legitimate excuse. So just that play in particular doesn't make me want to move on from him. I think it's just going to come down to the money. It's just something with Melvin Gordon. It feels like every fumbles a, it goes for a touchdown. How does that happen it, to him? They happen at such crucial times. That <laughs> is true. He is a lightning rod. He always got to throw Melvin Gordon in there. Nice lightning rod for Broncos country, John. <laughs> All right. Who's the next Broncos head coach going to be? I'm going to get John's take on that right after this. This is the typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.usatoday.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this weekend's NFC wildcard round matchup between the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Our friends at Tipico Sportsbook have the Rams favored three and a half points and the total sitting at 49 and a half. I'm taking the Rams. I'm laying the three and a half because McVay has owned Kingsbury since Kingsbury joined the NFL. Uh, the Rams are 5-1 and one straight out, 4-1-1 one and one against the spread versus the Cardinals since 2019. And Murray, Kyler Murray, has struggled against the Los Angeles Rams with just an 81.8 quarterback rating, 7 touchdowns to 9 turnovers. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I'm also on the Rams to cover. They're going to be healthier in this game and also have the advantage in the trenches. Cardinals have lost 4 of their last 5. Take the Rams, minus 3.5. That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, John, we've been talking about Vic Fangio being out for the Broncos. That means we're going to have a new head coach. The Broncos have been requesting interviews. You know, there's been stories all over Broncos Wire. You've been doing a great job tracking it. All kinds of names, right? Offensive guys like Eric Bieniemy and Kellen Moore and Nathaniel Hackett over there. and you know, The Packers offensive coordinator. Nobody's heard of Nathaniel Hackett because 
Matt LaFleur calls the plays. I think we've talked about that, right, John, before. But Nathaniel Hackett, he's been interviewed. He's a name if you're trying to lure Aaron Rodgers over here. But there's also defensive guys. Gerard Mayo, uh, he's the linebacker coach for the Patriots, but he's really, I think, the co-defensive coordinator with Steve Belichick, Belichick's kid. Um, so he's he definitely has a huge role with the Patriots. That's an interesting name. Uh, we were talking before we started recording. You say Dan Quinn is the front runner right now, right? The defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. So nice mix, offensive guys, defensive guys. What do you think about this search and who's topping your wish list right now? Yeah, they, uh, Peyton in his presser, he talked about how they're going to do a thorough, expansive search. And I was like, yeah, uh-huh. that's what you always say last right. time around. They interviewed five people. Like that's what the GM says. And then they have 10, as we're recording, they have 10 candidates. Like, who knows? There may even be more than that on the way. And I was like, okay, he is not, he's not lying. Like, they literally are being very, very thorough. So I like that because I think, like, some of these guys, like you mentioned Mayo, I wouldn't be surprised someone like him and someone like the Packers quarterbacks coach that they're interviewing. Like, I think they're giving them a legitimate shot, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're also candidates to maybe be hired as the defensive coordinator or maybe be hired as the offensive coordinator after the head coach is hired, assuming they're not hired by someone else as a head coach. And I think that's smart because you get them to, you get an interview with them and you, you find out more about them, not just for those roles, but if they blow you out of the water, like who knows, maybe someone like that could become the head coach. So I think some of these guys are more long shots, but I like that they're getting them in the door and and talking to them because it gives them a chance to interview really well and you never know what could happen. But with that said, they have 10 candidates and only one of them has head coach experience and not that the guy, like the next person to replace Fangio, they don't have to have head coach experience, but one of them does. And that guy is Dan Quinn. And he worked with George Payton when they were both with the Dolphins. Dan Quinn, I think he was coaching their defensive line and Payton, he was like the director of pro personnel at the time. Good point. And then, Good point, John. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. And then a couple years later, Quinn, he was coaching the Seahawks defense. And again, my orange and blue sunglasses, but I think the 2013 Broncos offense, that's the best offense that I've ever seen. I know we can argue about that. And, but like for my personal opinion, the offenses that I watched, the 2013 Broncos offense was the best I've ever seen. And when they went to the Super Bowl and faced Dan Quinn's defense, they were completely shut down, like completely shut down. And I know Quinn, he had a lot of talent to work with with the Seahawks, but just like the way he was able to shut down that record, like by the stats, you can make an argument it's the best offense in NFL history. So just Quinn shutting them down, like not just the talent, but they had to scheme it up as well. That's super impressive. And then a couple years after that, in 2015, he's a head coach candidate. And he, he according to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, he wrote this years ago. He wrote that uh, Dan Quinn, he wanted to go somewhere where George Payton was going to become a general manager. And there were two general manager opener openings at the time. I can't remember what the two teams were, but George Payton didn't want to go to either of them. Payton sat back for years and years and years and waited and waited and waited for the perfect opportunity to come before he became a GM because he was considered a promising GM candidate for a long time. And that is also to me a sign of how good the Broncos future looks that Payton, he waited, he turned out so many opportunities he picked the Broncos he wants. So I think that's a good sign for their outlook. But anyway, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Pay- or Dan Quinn wanted to go somewhere as a head coach, and he wanted George Payton to be that team's general manager. But Payton wa- didn't like either two openings that year. So Dan Quinn became the Falcons coach. They went to the Super Bowl, and they had the Super Bowl meltdown. 
That that obviously that, that is a broke huge Dan knock Quinn. on his resume. Yes, that broke him. But down. now we're a couple years removed from that, and Dan Quinn's coaching the Cowboys defense. The defense is playing well. George Payton is a general manager. So I think everybody's kind of connecting the dots and just assuming, you know, he's a guy with head coach experience. Uh, he's someone that is very familiar with Peyton, obviously has wanted, he has worked with Peyton and he wanted to work with Peyton as a head coach. So you assume they have to have a good relationship. So I think just all signs kind of point to him being the favorite, especially when you look at all the, like there are other candidates that I think truly are legitimate, but I, to me, he just stands out as someone that I could see it being the most likely. John, you can never apologize for an epic rant like that. And that, and that was just full of insight. That was good. There was some stuff in there that I, I didn't know. I didn't know about Quinn and Peyton's uh, history. That's, that's interesting stuff. That was good stuff. Um, okay, so Dan Quinn being the front runner makes perfect sense now because you just laid it out for me. Uh, who tops your wish list, right? I mean, one name not on the Broncos list, and you, and you wrote about this in the Broncos Wire because you're good at your job, uh, because I've been thinking about this guy too. Brian Flores, that's just a weird guy to get let go, right? Nobody saw that coming. I thought everybody thought Brian Flores was safe in Miami, but now he's out there. And you're interviewing a guy like Gerard Mayo, but not Brian Flores, right? Like Brian Flores, and, and they come from the same the same place with the Patriots, with the Patriots defense under Belichick, but Flores has uh, head coach experience and he's done it, right? He's He's been pretty, I guess he's not been super successful in Miami. I don't think it's been all roses over there, but his teams have been pretty good. He won seven in a row this, this year at one point. He's a pretty good coach and he knows his stuff on defense. You put Brian Flores with this Denver defense, what Fangio uh, built here, and you got something. You got something cooking. He's good. So I do like Brian Flores. I know you're high on him as well. Uh, who tops your like? Who tops your list, John? We know Dan Quinn's probably the front runner, but who who's your like number one guy that you want? Yeah, honestly, of the ten candidates that they've set up interviews with so far, none of them I'm like, oh man, I really want him. I think Dan Quinn, like we said, is the favorite, and I wouldn't be mad about Dan Quinn. I'd be fine with him hiring. I think you just you got to get him a really solid offensive coordinator, like they should have done with Vic Fangio. But that wasn't George Payton running the show. And maybe uh, Peyton has said that the next head coach is going to pick his staff. I don't know how true that is or not, but if Dan Quinn can get a real good offensive coordinator, I'd be perfectly fine with uh, him being the head coach, but I'm not like pounding the table for them to hire him. But I like that you brought up Flores because really he's, it doesn't seem like he's among the candidates they're considering. They haven't set up an interview with him yet. I don't know if they're going to, as we record this on Wednesday, but, uh, it seems like he's not in the picture. And that's weird to me. If he was in the picture, he would definitely be the guy that I would say, yeah, of these candidates, Brian Flores is my favorite. Because the first year in Miami, to me, I think you throw that out because the Dolphins, I think, were completely fine with tanking. It was the tank for Tua season. And he, like they had a bad roster, and he still managed to win some games they shouldn't have won. I don't think they had a good roster at all, but I think – the players played for him, and I think he got them up for some games in his first season. They managed to win some games, but overall it wasn't great. And then last year, they win 10 games, which to, is a huge improvement and really good. And then this year, they obviously had that poor stretch to start. But then, like you said, they won a bunch of games, and they ended up with nine, nine wins, which is not amazing, but it's still a winning record. So they have back-to-back winning seasons, and he's fired. And just – from a results perspective, I don't understand that at all. Like supposedly there's reports that he kind of clashed with the owner and he kind of clashed with the general manager. So I think that is a big part of it. 
But I don't know how much of that is somewhat like a smear campaign or also like relationships go both ways. So I don't know if it's on him. Like it may be that maybe he's a little rough around the edges and he just didn't work with them well. But at the same time, you know, like maybe from that three years of experience, it's possible that he can learn and grow from that. Like there's no guarantee that he will. But now that that has happened, now that he like maybe he can step back and be like, okay, I did this wrong and I did this wrong. Like the next time I get an opportunity, I'm not going to do that again. And, And maybe that's a reach. Maybe I'm assuming he would do that and giving him too much credit. I don't know. But I just think from the results he got on the field, I would definitely want to at least interview him because to me, he's sort of like Vic Fangio, except he's 20 something years younger. And like, I wasn't closely paying attention to the dolphins, but it seems to me that he did a better job of not being completely keyed in on only the defense. Like Fangio was keyed in on only the defense all the time. And like, to me, besides Tua, who I don't think, uh, he got along with too well. It seems like the rest of the players besides Tua really liked him and, and got up to play for him. And and like, it seems like, and again, like I'm not there, so I don't totally know, but it seems like he's kind of a good motivator. He's a good, you know, all encompassing head coach in my mind. Like, again, like I could be totally wrong, but just from the perspective that I saw and from the results that I saw, I'm like, one, why did they fire him? Two, why is he not a candidate? Yeah, I, I did some research on Flores because I was wondering if he's a guy that just calls the defensive plays, John. And um, I found an article. It's, it, they basically say he holds a play sheet and he's on the headset, so it looks like he's calling plays. But his sheet actually has calls for all three phases. And he'll chime in on defense, on offense, and special teams. And I think that's what George Payton was talking about, and that's that's what I want. Like, Dan Quinn, uh, he's a good coach. I mean, his, he's made a, he's had a nice rebirth with the Cowboys, and his defense is awesome with that Cowboys team. And, and that Cowboys defense, do you remember them last year, John? They were terrible under Mike yeah. Nolan. Under Mike Nolan, they were awful. So Dan Quinn's done a great job. It's been a big turnaround. But he'll, he'd definitely be buried in that defensive play call sheet. He's not going to give that up. He loves that. So he'd be calling the defense like Vic was. Uh, and, you know, a guy like Kellen Moore from the Cowboys, I think he would be buried in his offensive play sheet like guys like Matt LaFleur and, and Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. And, you know, those are good examples. Those are three good coaches. So maybe those are bad examples. But he'd be buried in his offensive play sheet. And uh, I think Flores is that guy that manages the whole thing. And, and I'm on that side of it too, John. I want that kind of coach. I don't know who it is. Whoever that guy is, If maybe that's Eric Bieniemy, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's Gerard Mayo. Uh, maybe it's Brian Flores. Like th- those are my kind of guys. I just don't want the guy that's obsessed with one phase of the game because, you know, Dan Quinn. I, I go back to that Super Bowl when the Falcons had the Patriots dead to rights, and all he had to do is get on his headset and be like, "Hey, Kyle, Shanahan, Kyle, we're gonna kneel on the ball and kick a field goal, and they'll be out of reach now. We're not gonna drop Matt Ryan back and let him get sacked." You know, so like uh, I, I think about that that game against the Patriots and. uh I still feel like Dan Quinn, he's not far enough removed from that, John. He still needs more therapy to get that game out of this <laughs> system. So, uh, But now nah, he'd be a good coach. If he was the, the Broncos uh, guy, it would be fun. So we'll be, we'll be following this, right, John? I mean, this is where we're at now in the season. We're heading into the offseason. So I think our plan is just to, uh, to continue covering the Broncos and doing podcasts when news you know, pops, right? So when there's real news with the Broncos – We'll be on here to uh, to break it down, right? It's like so when we find that Josh McDaniels is a is a big candidate to come back to Denver. <laughs> oh boy, we'll be on here to cover it, right? 
Yeah, Josh McDaniels and Vance Joseph will be his defensive coordinator. Fans <laughs> the return would love of Josh. That. The return of Josh. I'm ready for that storyline. <laughs> uh, all right, let's end it here though for um, for this episode. Roadblocks have now been taken down for the team to be sold, right? So w- this has been an ongoing thing. The Broncos could be sold soon, right, John? What's going on with that? Uh, the original owner that sold the team to Pat Bolin, he had an agreement with Pat Bolin that if Bolin ever wanted to sell the team, uh, he would have a right of first refusal. Basically means if Bolin wants to sell to someone else, this guy gets a chance to match it. And that was an agreement between Bolin and him. And then that guy passed away, and then Pat Bolin passed away, and years have gone by, and just we've carried on. And now, as the Broncos are approaching the possibility of a sale, the original owner's estate contacted the Broncos and said, hey, we still have the right of first refusal. And the Broncos were like, no, you don't, because both parties in that agreement passed away, so it's no longer valid. And then it went to court, and the court sided with the Broncos. So now that that's out of the way, the court said – Nobody's got a right or first refusal. You know, the Broncos, they're now in the clear to be sold without any hangup. So that it's a green light for them. And it's not guaranteed that they are going to be sold because it's still a possibility. One of Pat Bowen's children could become the next controlling owner. But it's it's assumed that it will be sold because Joe Ellis, the team president and CEO, he has very clearly implied that if all of Pat Bowen's siblings could not sign off on one of them becoming the controlling owner, that the alternative is to sell the team. And just the dynamics of the family, Ryan, it's very clear that they would not all agree on one of them being the controlling owner. So it just the family, the siblings, they don't all see eye to eye. So that it just seems very likely that it's not staying in the family. So uh, the alternative is to sell the team. And all of uh, Pat Bowen's children, they would benefit from a sale because they'd all get money from it. So it, it just seems like it's trending that way. And now we just got to wait for people to line up and bid for them. Yeah, the uh, it sounds like an episode of Succession, John, right? That's <laughs> yeah, pretty much what exactly. we're talking about here. I mean, it, just the nepotism and that thing, like these rich people that bought NFL franchises and just continue to pass them down <laughs> through the family. I mean, it's you see this all over the place in the NFL. It's an, It's an ongoing thing. Yeah, a team like a, a good, proud franchise, just like the Broncos, like the Bears. I mean, they the McCas- George McCaskey had this press conference that was just unbelievable and out of this world. People should go look it up if they haven't heard it because it just shows like how clueless um, some of these, some of the ownership is around the league. It's because these teams keep getting passed down uh, to to kids that just don't know what they're doing. So yeah, let's let's hope that the team is sold and let's hope that we have real ownership and a real head coach in a real team, and a real quarterback in 2022, John. That's where I'm at. Absolutely. And the fans pick, Ryan, is Peyton Manning because he's – Peyton Manning's in one ownership group that is expected to bid, and John Elway's in another ownership group. I had a feeling that might happen because if the, neither of them could buy the team themselves, but either of them could be the face. Even as a minority owner, they could be a face of an ownership group, and they can't do that together. So it's going to be Elway and Manning competing against each other and Elway, like, he got two, two Super Bowls as a GM, and he won a Super Bowl as a GM. And so fans, of course, love that. But then the last few years, it has been under Elway's management. So fans have kind of turned on Elway, and understandably so, because after the Super Bowl, it wasn't good enough from him. And Manning, like, we all love Manning the quarterback, and we've never seen what he could do as, you know, as an executive. Right. But I think that kind of works in his favor. Like, the unknown, you always pick the unknown 
over someone that, you know, has given you reason to dislike them. So Manning, uh, people are putting polls on Twitter like, would you rather have Elway's group or Manning's group? And it's like 99% Manning to 1% LA. Like I'm exaggerating, but Manning is getting like 90% of the fan vote. So we'll see if something like that will happen or, if, you know, somebody like Jeff Bezos will decide he wants to buy an NFL team because no. if, if he no. if he no. if he wanted to, he could blow away any other offer because he's obviously the richest person in the world. So there could be some billionaire come out of nowhere. It may not be in a way of a Manning. So that's, that's something to follow, but who knows how quickly that will happen. That's that's another podcast topic that we'll jump on. If there's any developments on it. Yeah. Jeff Bezos, he'll, he'll, he'll buy the team and then send drew lock up into space on one of his rockets. You know, I mean, this is what we're talking (laughs) about. No, no, no. We want a foot. We want a football owner. Yes. Give me Peyton Manning. Yeah. I'm fine with that, John. I, I would take the spin with Peyton Manning out of all the people you just mentioned, because I feel like the Mannings, like, I bet birthday cakes are, like, shaped like footballs in the Manning family. <laughs> it's all about football for that team. I think, you know, he's probably got a five-year-old that knows more X's and O's than I do. You know, so, I mean, that's, this is what it is. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I would be all for Peyton Manning. That's going to be an interesting one. Um, as soon as any news pops on that, we'll be back to uh, to cover it here on the Broncos Wire podcast. We're, we're through two full regular seasons, John. If you can believe it, that's gone by fast. Feels like we just started this thing, right? But two full regular seasons down, and now we head into our second offseason. Yeah, it's been fun. I've enjoyed it talking Broncos football with you, Ryan. Had a good time, even though on the field it hasn't been a good time. They've given us things to talk about. And now, as you said, going into this offseason, there's going to be plenty more to discuss. No doubt. I got a lot I got a lot to prep on because I can't just keep railing on Vic Fangio and, and do that <laughs> over and over and over again. I got to come up with something new. So I'll be, I'll be working on that over the next couple of weeks. When Broncos news pops, John and I will be back this offseason to, uh, to drop episodes and talk about it. We hope you join us. We appreciate you all listening. And uh, we will talk to you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.